0: We might be freaks, but we know our can beats, and beats, and beats, and beats, and beats, and beats. In beats. In beats. This is the Frequency DM podcast. It's August the twelfth, two thousand nineteen, and we're coming back with the second part of the history of Tomorrowland Belgium festival. For those who haven't heard of this part, please just listen to last week's episode. This is episode one one nine, and I am mentioning Tomorrowland Belgium, of course, for because for those who do not know, there has been a couple of other editions, especially The Tomorrowland World in the US, which did not end up so well, for reasons I'm not going to mention here. So we're just focusing on the Belgium edition, the one that uh, has been happening for the past 15 years. So for those who haven't listened, I'm basically reading from an article that was published on the newspaper that's uh, Tomorrowland Today that's given to the people who attend the festival. So to continue we're talking about the legend. It's been 15 years since the shore was originally taken over by an army of thousands of dance fanatics and that crowd has been steadily growing in numbers ever since. For those who do not know or don't remember the shore is the actual park because the the festival takes uh, over an actual park a national park in Belgium and this is situated next to boom boom being a small town boom as in you know boom 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 uh, which is in the middle almost in the middle of distance between Antwerp and Brussels uh, a couple of big cities uh, in Belgium Brussels being the capital, of course. Um, in terms of continuing terms of overall international reputation and prestige, however, the growth was exponential. Dimitri Vegas says, "When we were still aspiring young DJs, it was already pretty clear that Tomorrowland was on its way to become a legend in Belgium. The second time we played the main stage, the festival was sold out and has started to go international. So the second time uh, would have been." Uh, The main stage, they've been playing for 10 years, so 2005, so 2006, you know, it must have been sold out then, had started to go international with visitors from all over the world. The after movie of 2012 went viral and I think that year and the next year were turning points for the festival. It's fair to say that the worldwide explosion of popular electronic music and the boom of Tomorrowland were basically synchronized. To just, I would like to add a comment here. And in all fairness, this is round about the time, like 2013, 14, that I've heard of Tomorrowland myself. And I think this also has to do with the explosion of YouTube. And the success of Tomorrowland is, I think, goes hand in hand with the success and spread of YouTube and establishment of YouTube. And I think the popularity of the festival has a lot to do with the, the after movie, with the way the production goes, with the way um, how many sets are broadcasted. And it's interesting if you guys um, go back in time to actually see how many sets were broadcasted and how many views they were getting. I've done this for my own analysis. This is not a topic for now. Uh, We'll continue, if V concurs on the importance of the after-movie and recalls the moment he realised just how big Tomorrowland was becoming very clearly. Years ago, one of my friends who works for Tomorrowland was on a holiday in Mexico, when he spoke to people there they've never heard of Belgium but knew all about Tomorrowland. But where does the legend come from? For Carl Cox, that's easy to answer. Above all, it's the camaraderie that made this festival become what it is today. The people of tomorrow feel like this is their world. They come to meet their friends and make new friends. In that way, it's kind of close to an event like Burning Man, where people go because for that one moment in their life... They can call it their home. I think people feel at home here as well, or at least during that one weekend. And the organization does all they can to make you feel like that. It's as much a fairy tale as it is a social and musical event. And and he's probably right. How many people do you know or you heard of that they go to Tomorrowland just to take it, tick it off their box, off their checklist, and you know take those pictures and post them on Instagram? Yves Derriter goes on. I've been asked what makes Tomorrowland so special before, and the answer is very simple. It's the best festival in the world. Throughout the years, they kept on improving the production, the whole setting, and the lineup. The man's to keep on growing year after year, every edition's like a final, and they won every single one of them. In Mike Push's opinion, it's the variety of musical styles that helped the festival rise above all others us artists grew in a rock and roll kind of way along with the festival. They've always managed to keep a place on the lineup for us, the creators of the sound. There's a new energy next to classic and retro. While us DJs also kept improving ourselves in the club circuit, what Tomorrowland did was bring the concept of a festival to a whole new standing. They've managed to make playing outdoors to be a magical experience for both artists and audience. Well, um... I do not think that this was the first festival that uh, people played outdoors. Perhaps the the daytime aspect was a little bit novel, as we said in part one, but not, you know, outdoor festivals have been happening for a long time. Um, this section, the next section, is about the DJs, which is obviously an important part of Tomorrowland and uh, why we actually go there every year after year. In a way, Tomorrowland is like the New Year's Eve party of the electronic music scene, Dimitri Vegas says about the DJ's experience of the weekend. There's all kinds of musical styles to choose from. For us personally, we had some great moments doing back-to-back sets with Martin Garrix, Hardwell, Steve Aoki and Afrojack. That time we played laid-back Luke's Super You and Me stage and dressed up like superheroes was one for the books. I think... You probably remember this if you, if you followed the after movies and especially laid back look set. I think this is one of his highlights as well. The atmosphere amongst the artists is just so easy going. We have the opportunity to get in contact with each other. Whereas at other festivals, the experience is more solitary, like you're in your own little cocoon. Mike Bush agrees. It's a gathering of artists. We often miss out on each other during the rest of the year, but we can rest assured because we'll definitely be able to meet up at Tomorrowland. And again, um, the, the fact that there are two weekends back to back, I think provides very interesting opportunities because, um, Tomorrowland varies the times and days, uh, different artists play, uh, apart from the main stage on Saturday, which, which is more or less steady. So like, um Army Van Buren followed up by Dimitri Vegas and like Mike is pretty much steady. But otherwise the there's a rotation of people in different stages and times and therefore yes, I mean it all makes sense that people who may have not met anywhere, um, I doubt that they will meet there or they have a high chance of meeting there. And MC Stretch, which I mentioned his name last time, uh, he adds, I can only speak for myself, of course, but music is music. People people can put it in whatever genres they want to. That's why the main stage of Tomorrowland is so important. It showcases all those different styles and people. There's techno, house, EDM, and heart style. EDM, like, everything is EDM. Anyway, following up on each other and those DJs get the opportunity to see each other at work and talk and get to know each other. Introducing the Daybreak Sessions was the greatest move in festival history, by the way, to allow DJs to come and play for three hours. Genius. Okay, again, uh, some exaggeration. This is not the first time, obviously. DJs play long sets. I mean, you only have to... Uh, know that um, you know, Sven Veith have been playing like five or six-hour sets back in the day and even now occasionally in Cocoon and back in his own uh, clubs in Frankfurt. Um, uh, but I don't know, they, they, they just push this. I guess obviously a DJ who plays a three-hour set has more opportunities to showcase different aspects of his musical taste and create almost a journey. I think um, that the timing of the daybreak session is a little bit not so well designed uh, because, well, it's daytime and people are keep coming and chilling. It's a good, it's a good listen, but you know, for those who have been there, you know, nobody really cares so much, and that's that's a shame. Next to that, some artists get their own areas on other days and it all contributes to the DJs being one big family here. And me myself, I feel like angle stretch. If you've got any problems, come speak to me, maybe I can help you out, you know? I'm the host of the main stage and I think that role is equally important both on stage and off stage. When a young DJ comes up and is nervous about playing for the first time, it's my job to put them at ease and tell them that uh, if they made it here, they've absolutely earned it. I just said that to Hugel yesterday and he was like, thank you. But I'm still pretty darn nervous. Tiesto gives props to the festival for creating an environment wherein it's so easy to get in touch with each other. Tomorrowland has always had one of the best backstages experience in the world. You feel special right away. Take the food, for instance. The backstage food is cooked by none other than Nick Brill, the chef from two Michelin star restaurants, The Jane in Antwerp. That's world class. Next to that, you meet all those other DJs, often playing other styles than yourself and everybody's friendly. There's respect and love for each other, having techno, house, EDM and trans DJs Again EDM DJs, what is that about? All happily and respectfully mingling, that's a very special thing. The younger DJs also come up to me to ask for advice. I'm always happy to help. They call me the godfather or the mentor sometimes, and he laughs. It's hard to say what the overall best advice is, because every DJ is different. Some of them need guidance on a more personal levels, um, while others profit more from musical pointers. But that's the beauty of it, of course. Armin Van Buren agrees that at Tomorrowland, DJs of all kinds of pedigrees stand next to each other with the utmost respect. It helps that the Accommodations are so top notch because you feel at home. When you feel feeling comfortably, it's easier to get in touch with one another. But when younger DJs come up, to me, I still feel a bit weird because to me it's still like I'm here for the first time. To me, this is just as much fun as it was the first time I was on stage playing at Tomorrowland. It's still something special. You'll never get used to it. It's really uplifting to have younger colleagues come up to you to say how your music inspired them to start a career though. And I think that that's quite important and we have seen people like, um, you know, some older DJs now becoming more mentors and establishing, um, then their profile as mentors and trying to help, uh, young artists. For example, you can see how Deadmau5 did it. You can see how Martin Garrix did it and, uh, whether tomorrow has anything to do with that I can't really say but the DJs is as much uh, of an important aspect of why we go there year after year as much as everything else so I would like to finish here and keep uh, two important bits for uh, part 3 uh, which will be the memories and the tracks um, and of course the tracks the music is important isn't it and the DJs will mention some of the highlights and tracks that they think Uh, are synonymous with uh, the Tomorrowland Belgium Festival. Thank you very much for spending time with us because where you choose to spend your time is really important and we appreciate your choosing us. Please make sure you follow and share this podcast if the topics we discuss spark your interest and you appreciate us going off the beaten route. Do remember that we are ravers just like you have been dancing for 30 years now. We're independent and not sponsored by any DJ, record label, event, festival or corporate. We pay for all our tickets ourselves and records we buy and therefore we're not here just to be super positive about everything when we damn well know the problems or things could be better. We thought our set was rubbish we have the guts to say loud and proud even though it is unpopular, because we've been listening for 30 years to old genres of dance music, and we know not everything is always a hundred percent sparkling amazing. What we say and discuss here comes from experience and our own genuine beliefs, and our sole interest is to bring ravers together and spark a debate on how to make the scene better and keep the rave alive. For that we have to ask your help. We ask you to subscribe to the podcast, hint, it's free, and our YouTube channel, free again, but also share it with your friends and keep your feedback coming. This is your podcast, as much as ours, and for that we need to know what you want to be discussing. You can email us at Frickbits 2016 at gmail.com, tweet us on freakbits_cast, underscore cast, or DM us on our Instagram at freakbeatsedmpodcast.com. And if you go to the Anchor.fm website, you can even leave us a voice message and a rant. That's easy. Until next time, remember, get your freak on.